Christianity being radical, you think of the reality that we are going to the root, the origin, the fundamental of the Christian faith, not how it was practiced in the third century, not how it was practiced in the fifth century, the 12th century, the 17th century, or the 21st century. Radicalness is going back to the foundation, the root. And who's the root? Jesus and the apostles. That's who we look to. When you're learning a new skill, it's important to start with the fundamentals, the foundational building blocks. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that true Christianity is radical. In this teaching, you'll be challenged to connect with the roots of your faith. And what are those roots? Well, it's not how things are done now or a thousand years ago. No, the foundation of Christianity is Jesus. And to find the fundamentals of faith, you need to look to Him and the Apostles. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 as he begins his message, Radically Subversive. Let's open up in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. As we continue this series that we call, it's part of our mission as a church, knowing, growing, and showing, we're here in this second part of this series called The Mission, called Growing. And it's all about because we, through faith in Jesus, because we know God, that should just be, well, hey, we know God and we're not changing. But transformation or growth is actually baked into the reality of knowing God. We don't believe in a compartmentalized life where our spiritual lives don't impact the way we live out our daily lives which doesn't impact the way we treat people. No, we believe that what is going on inside of us will make its way out, just like what's inside of us is a seed, and that's going to sprout into a flower. Our life in the Spirit, in Christ, is going to be blossoming out, overflowing through our lives That's what growing is all about. And there's no better place to be looking than Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which is commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Pastor Bill took the first four of what ends up being six laws. Jesus is saying, you have heard it said this, but now I interpret the law this way. And we talked about how Jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus in himself didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And he fulfills it in himself, and he fulfills it in us through living in us and working out of our lives. Pastor Bill took four laws. He took murder in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 5. He took adultery which began in verse 27. He took marriage and divorce in verse 31, and he took oaths in verse 33. Each one, you've heard it was said this, but now this is how the fulfillment of the law is lived out in your lives. And I get the pleasure of doing the last two, verses 38 to 48 in Matthew chapter 5. Now, 
I have to be honest with you. If you're willing to hear, this is going to be the most challenging message you're ever going to hear. Not because it's my message, but because of what Jesus is saying. And there's not one of us, no matter if you've been walking with Jesus for a hundred years or if you're not even sure about Jesus, this teaching of Jesus, if we don't try and filter it out, pasteurize it, lessen it down, will absolutely be the most challenging teaching you ever hear. So much so that as I read different commentators about this passage, everybody is trying to kind of pull it back, say, hey, listen, we have to take it easy. We can't really do it this way. Listen to one commentator, and this is a very good commentator named R.T. France. He said this, those who have understood the true thrust of Jesus' teaching here have often declared it to be not only extreme and unwelcome, but also practically unworkable in the real world. You cannot live like this. Wow. Now, what he's saying is that if you really take the thrust of these teachings, people are going to say, this is impossible. This is not real life. This is, you know, so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good stuff. It's not possible. And I'm here to say, guess what? If these are the words of our Lord Jesus, if these are the words of God, the Son incarnate on the earth, then would to God that we would perk up our ears and hear it. And say, you know what, God? I'm not going to fight against this. I'm not going to be like Saul who is kicking against the goads. I'm not going to be like the way I always am where I'm going to resist you. But I'm just going to soak in this, God. I want you to speak to me. And I pray that we will all be here today. And that today would be a transformative day. In God's word. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 38. Of Matthew chapter 5. He says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. This is only the first half of the text I'm going to take today. We begin with this reality. True Christianity is radical. True Christianity is radical. It's important to remember that because non-radical Christianity is not Christianity. True Christianity is radical. Now, that word radical, it really has two main meanings. The root of the word radical in the Latin is the word radicalis, which we actually get our word radish from, which actually means the root or the origin, because a radish is a root vegetable. So the word radical means of or going to the root or origin or fundamental of something. So when you think of True Christianity being radical, you think of the reality that we are going to the root, the origin, the fundamental of the Christian faith, not how it was practiced in the third century, not how it was practiced in the fifth century, the 12th century, the 17th century, or the 21st century. Radicalness is going back to the foundation, the root. And who's the root? Jesus and the apostles. 
That's who we look to. Not some sort of culturized in Europe or the Middle East or whatever, but how did Jesus and the apostles follow? Also, we know that the word radical means thoroughgoing or extreme, especially as regards change from accepted or traditional forms. I like that. So not only is radical going to the root or the fundamental, the origin of something, it is also going to an extreme, especially as it relates to living against the traditional norms. True Christianity is radical. And we're going to see that right here. And we have to each ask ourselves, are we willing to have a radical life in Christ? All that God would have for us, or do we just want a safe, very, you know, take all the craziness, all the risk out of it, and just kind of have like a safe, middle-class American type of Christianity? A lot of us are going to choose the latter. You just want it safe. You don't want too much craziness. But I believe that there's some of us, and would to God that all of us would say, you know what? I want to get to the fundamental, the origins of the Christian faith. I want to be completely radical in regards to what is the norm. I'm not willing just to live a good American dream, but I want all that God is for me in Christ. Look at what he says. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is an Old Testament prescription that we find over and over again. You'll find it in Exodus chapter 21, verse 24, Leviticus 24, verses 19 and 20, and Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 21. You have heard us said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is what they call the law of retribution or the simplicity of basic justice. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now, You've seen the bumper sticker, and I've shared this with you. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. You ever see that bumper sticker? You'll see it more in Portland. I saw it a lot in the Bay Area. But the idea is it's calling this idea into question. And what the statement is is that, well, if you say an eye for an eye, then ultimately everyone will be blinded. But the reality is, is this law was given. It was a law of retribution. It really had a couple of functions. First, what it did was it was given so that vengeance wasn't fostered. See, we live in a day and age, and because of humanity, we like to escalate a situation. In, in political strategy, specifically political defense strategy, it's called the law of the proportioned response. So, you know, some men from Afghanistan, they flew planes in the World Trade Center, so we invaded Afghanistan. Now, regardless of how you feel about how all that went or whatever, that is escalation. That's what it is. And we all do it. You say something mean to me, I'll say something really mean to you. You poke out my eye, I'll cut your head off. You guys know what I'm talking about. See, because of the fall of humanity, we have a tendency to escalate. All of us do. We know what this is like. You do something mean to me, I'll do something more mean to you. And then the other person, and it keeps going and going and going, right? So by putting in the law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, this is going to keep us from escalation. It will also keep us from being vindictive. 
saying, well, you do this to me, I'm gonna do this to you. See, this is what the law says, and it's in there because of the hardness of our hearts. But Jesus says, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Do not resist an evil person. So instead of saying, look, I am going to just give you exactly what you give me, Jesus says, don't resist. And that word resist in the Greek, it's the same word that we get our word be, have revenge. Do not be revenging upon somebody. Now when you think about this, if somebody does something wrong to you, you want to do something wrong back to them and ask like, Jesus says, listen, no, 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 no. That's not okay, tit for tat. No, thank you. Instead, don't exact any vengeance from an evil person. Don't respond, not even in kind, respond out of kind to what you've received. You've received evil. I want you to give good instead. And then in this verse, Jesus gives us, in these verses, Jesus gives us four illustrations. Now, I want to give you the overarching theme, and then I'm going to explain each of the four illustrations. These four illustrations simply teach us this, that Jesus encourages radical generosity instead of retribution. Jesus encourages radical generosity instead of retribution. So instead of, if someone takes your eye, you take their eye, or worse, someone knocks out your tooth, and you go and you get your little drill, and you pull that baby or your pliers, and you pull that thing out, you know, tit for tat. Instead of that, radical generosity. Look at each of these four examples. The first example is in the middle of verse 39. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now this is fascinating if someone slaps you on the right cheek, give them your left also. Now you have to think about this. The bulk of the people in the world are right-handed. No knock against you left-handed folks, but you are just in the minority. It's okay. Just because you're in the minority doesn't mean that you're bad or anything. I'm Just make sure to say that. But when Jesus says slap on the right cheek, what that is, is that is a backhanded slap. A right hand, backhand to your right cheek. In Jesus' culture, that is the highest form of an insult. In our culture, the right hand to the right cheek would be spitting in your face. That's what that means. And this wasn't a blow against your body. This was a blow against your honor. So if somebody insults you in the highest way, if somebody dishonors you, and I think for in our culture, spitting in your face is that. If someone were to walk up to you and spit you in your face... That's not a physical pain. That is a, a, that's like against you as a human. Jesus said, if somebody insults you in the most horrific way possible, turn the other to him also. Wow. Jesus is saying here that the true Christian has learned to resent no insult and to seek retaliation for no slight. True Christianity is radical. When someone insults you, are you willing to receive that? I mean, if we're growing, <laughs> we need to take this one to the bank. Next time you're insulted, next time somebody dishonors you, don't respond. Simply let them. As Jesus goes so far to say, listen, give them the other cheek also. 
It's amazing how silent it is in here right now. We know that Jesus exemplified this, didn't he? He gave his back to the scourging. He plucked out his beard. Like a sheep led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. See, rather than retaliate and escalate, we as Christians are simply just to take it. Wow. Not only that, look at the next example. In verse 40, if anybody wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Now, again, we need to bridge the cultural gap. The tunic in Jesus' culture was the undergarments. You know, in a lot of ways, it looked like, do you remember back a number of years ago, they used to have those kind of one-piece pajamas with the little buttons for the little flap in the back? You guys know those? A tunic was like that. It was like a full-body undergarment. And your cloak was your outer garment. Now, this was before the day and age of, you know, all the styly things that we like to have, all the fashion. People pretty much wore an undergarment, and then they had their outer cloak. Now, what's interesting is that in Jesus' culture, the outer cloak was an inalienable possession. It was something that could never be taken from you. Nobody could ever sue you for it. And if you gave this outer cloak as a pledge, they had to give it back at the end of the day. This was the thing that protected you from the elements. Everybody had them. For the poorest of people, this was their only protection from the elements. They only had one cloak. So Jesus says this. So think about this. He says, if somebody wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let them have your cloak also. So if somebody brings an accusation against you for something that you've done wrong and they want your undergarment, give them the one thing that is absolutely yours. Wow. You see this radical generosity? Give them the one thing that they can't take legally. Wow. Look at the third example. Whoever compels you to go one mile, verse 41, Go with him too. This was called the law of impressment. The Romans had authority over Jerusalem, and a Roman soldier could take anybody who was not Roman and say, I want you to carry my military gear for a Roman mile. We have an example of this in the scripture. Remember Simon the Cyrene, who they compelled to carry Jesus' cross when he could no longer in Matthew 27, verse 32? That's called impressment. It's when a ruling authority can force you to do something. And Jesus says, look, if someone asks you to go one mile, go with them too. Now you have to realize that impressment in that culture, as you would imagine if we were oppressed by a nation and they made us do things like that, obviously was absolutely, absolutely an imposition and something that caused resentment. And you can imagine that in that culture, the Romans did it as a power play. Like, yeah, you have to. You have no choice. We rule over you. And Jesus says, look, if the law says go one mile, go two. Go two. Impressment. See, in each one of these examples, he's saying, look, if someone insults you, be generous. If somebody wants to take away your possessions, be generous. If someone compels you, impresses you, be generous. 
And then in verse 42, look at what it says. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. The final illustration requires not only interest-free loans, but a generous spirit. If somebody, give to him who asks of you. Now, at this juncture, you need to make a qualification. Because this does not place a Christian as enablers for people's sin. And we know that because Jesus, in living this out, when the Pharisees asked him, by what authority do you do these things? Jesus knew that they were being dishonest and sinful. He says, I'm not going to tell you. So for those of you who struggle with like enabling and codependency, don't think that, you know, some guy, I remember in, in San Francisco at the pier, he had a little sign, cardboard. Any money would help for a bag of weed. Weed, marijuana, grass for you old school folks. You shouldn't give your hard-earned dollars to that guy. Or the guy, hey, I ain't gonna lie, I'm gonna take this and go get drunk. That is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus doesn't want us to be generous to enable somebody's sin. But the reality is, is if we're really honest, most of us are not generous at all in these areas, are we? It goes against rough shot right over our culture. I mean, we get up in arms when generosity is the topic, when somebody needs us to go the extra mile, when somebody insults us, we do not do this well. But Jesus said, this is the where I am at. So action step number one, write down two situations where you can practice generosity instead of retribution. Take the first two that pop off your head. Who are the first two people? Two situations where you're like, I have an opportunity to be generous right here. Don't let this moment pass. Because I know for all of us, there are situations like that. Two situations where you can practice generosity. If true Christianity is radical, let's put some legs on this stuff, right? Two situations where you can practice generosity. Maybe someone's insulted you. Maybe somebody has sued you. Maybe somebody just needs your help. And you can go a little farther with them to be of service. Two situations. Let's put legs on this stuff. Jesus is Thanks for staying with us today as Pastor Daniel began unpacking what true Christianity looks like in action. You'll learn that it's generous and doesn't hold on to anger or seek revenge when insulted, even in the most personal of ways. This is hard stuff, but this is what it looks like to simply respond to Jesus. Don't forget that he is with you in this, and as impossible as it seems, he'll help you live this out one step at a time. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real 
at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will explain more about what it means to be subversive in love. You'll learn that this includes loving your enemies, people who get under your skin for one reason or another. There's a lot of hate in this world. You'll be challenged to recognize your own struggles with hate and anger and invite Jesus to transform your heart for those people. This is what it means to be a true Christian. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Mission Growing. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.